Well, good morning. We are so excited to have you in worship this morning. Today, uh, we're going to be in James 3 as we continue our sermon series through the book of James. And uh, it's, a, it's a hard message in some ways today because it's such a relatable word for us in James 3. I think everyone, as we read through this, will have some way, shape, or form that they can kind of relate that this scripture hits you. And that's at least our, our prayer, James chapter 3. And we're going to start with verse 2. This whole, uh, this whole chapter could be summarized probably like this. Uh, you kiss your mother with that mouth? Uh, no, no, just kidding. I mean, kind of in some ways. But this is all about our, our words and our tongues. We'll read James chapter 3, starting at verse 2, and we're going to go all the way to verse 12 this morning. Verse 2, for we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able, to, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also, the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and reptile or, uh, or, and bird and of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives and her, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for today, and thank you for this, these words in, in James chapter 3, Lord. I just pray that you would allow, um, allow us to hear the words that we need to hear. Would you give me words to speak, Lord? God, we long to be encouraged and corrected by you, led and guided by your word as we live out this life. And so, Lord, would you let today's words, God, produce in us all that you need them to do. It's in your name we gather and pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. In 2020, the Australian bushfires went down in history for one of the most catastrophic fires of all time. The extreme bushfires tore through New South Wales and Queensland in southeastern Australia, burning 42 million acres. Can you imagine that? 42 million acres, destroying thousands of buildings, killing dozens of people, as well as 3 billion, with a B, 3 billion animals, including a staggering 61,000 koalas. If you're a koala, that one just got, if you're like a koala uh, lover, that one got your attention. 61,000 koalas. 
There was record heat and record drought, but other than those two things, there wasn't like this great explosion that happened. This fire started by a spark. One flicker of flame causing all that destruction. I'm going to keep it simple this morning. This uh, section of scripture speaks so plainly, and I'll try to as well. James is speaking to our inability here to control our speech, how inconsistent we can be, and the extreme damage that our lack of control with our speech can cause to ourselves and to others. Have any of you ever had rumors spread about you? Falsehoods spoke over you or your family in any way can bring a lot of pain, can't it? On the other side of the coin, have any of you ever had words of encouragement and love spoken over you that affirm your great qualities? can be so uplifting, can't it? Our words have power. Our tongues are such a small part of us, as James says, like the rudder of a ship, but they have a huge impact on us and where we go and what situations we are led into. That's a problem because according to James here, the tongue is untamable. Verses 5 and 6 just show the destruction that an untamed tongue can do. The small fire, as we read and as we are discussing, can cause such great destruction. A loose tongue can ruin one's reputation. It can destroy churches, families, and friendships. I can only imagine that James had firsthand experience from slandering at times in his life, especially before he really confessed Jesus as Christ, but also of being slandered at this time in Jerusalem as he tries to lead churches and as he's getting attacked from so many different sides. In describing this uncontrolled tongue, James uses these vivid terms to describe it and to drive this point home that the tongue is dangerous. It's a fire. It's a world of iniquity. It's an unruly evil. It's full of deadly poison. I hope you're getting the picture. James doesn't have great things to say about the way we choose to speak and the looseness of our lips. Is he wrong? Did you prove these verses to be true this week? I did. And then James goes on to address this with all these different examples, right? That despite we're, we're able to tame wild animals for, for goodness sake, but we can't even tame our own tongue. So what do we do with this? Sounds like it's a, it's a system defect in ourselves. There's nothing we can do. James makes it sound pretty bleak. I mean... How can we tame this untamable thing, huh? Well, we can't. That's the truth. We can't. But God can. We talked about this a few weeks back, dying to ourselves and then having Christ live through us. Apart from Christ, we have no chance in this matter. But with Christ, and more specifically, the Holy Spirit that Christ gives us and places in us, we have the ability to put our selfish use of the tongue to death and have it get used for the glory of God. Through Christ, we have power over this sin. Turn with me to Romans chapter 6, if you would, verses 3 through 7. Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 7. It 
Do you not know, verse 3 in chapter 6, that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, and in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we've been united with him in a death like his, we shall, shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. I'm going to edit Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 7 to apply directly to our topic today, okay? Verse 6, we know that our old self that had an untamable tongue (laughs) was crucified with Jesus in order that the body of sin and that tongue might be brought to nothing. So we would no longer be enslaved to sin for one who has died has been set free from sin and a tongue that was set on destruction. This is why we are, we are new creations in Christ. And with the power of the Holy Spirit, as Christ does his redeeming work in your life, he places the Holy Spirit within you. And now as new creatures, we're not a slave to this untamable tongue, but we also have the ability to use our tongue now for the glory of God. This doesn't mean that we don't have problems as the way we speak as Christians. But it does mean that we have hope in this area that he has set us free to use our tongue in beautiful ways. And so now, church, since we are dead to sin and alive to Christ as new spirit-filled creatures, we have a great opportunity in front of us. And I think there's two ways that we can tame our tongues. Number one is very obvious, and that is to speak life, love, and and encouragement in the Word of God over people, right? In other words, to, to use our tongues to be constructive, not deconstructive, right? To, to speak love and life over, over individuals. I think that way is obvious, and I think we can kind of wrap our minds around how we can do that effectively, so I'm not going to focus on that as well. But the second way we can tame our tongue is maybe less obvious, but I think almost as important, if not the most important way we can tame our tongues, and that is to learn not just how to speak constructively, but how to not speak at all. Let's go back to James chapter 1, verse 19. A couple chapters back, James chapter 1, verse 19 says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Isn't this something our culture greatly needs? It's okay not to speak. Isn't that wild? Who would have guessed it? And James is reminding us of that today. How many of you in, in, in maybe conversations you've had just this week find yourself thinking of what you're going to say in response to somebody more than what they're actually listening to what they're talking about in that given moment, 
right? They say something at the beginning of the sentence, you're like, oh, I have something to add to that. And you're just kind of, you know, staring like glazed over, just waiting for your chance to speak what you have on your mind to say. Does it, is that just me? <laughs> Church, we need this. Look, uh, look to the person uh, to your, your left. I want to pause here for a moment. Because I think as we hear these words, this is such a temptation that uh, but being, being, you know, fleshly, our, our sinner sides are probably thinking right now of somebody else who needs to hear this message. <laughs> is that, you know, like, oh man, I, I'm going to send this one. I'm going to send the YouTube link to somebody I know for this one. So I want you to, to actually look to your, the person to your left and say, I need to be quick to listen. Can you do that for me? Okay. And now look to the person to your right and say, I need to be slow to speak. Thanks, thanks, for, thanks for going along with that. Our pride always tells us that, that, you know, that we need to be the focus of conversations, that all conversations kind of wrap around to us. Our pride tells us that what the people around us need is our opinion. They need to know what we know, that we are the solution. Our pride's constantly drawing attention to itself. But yet we know we need to die to ourselves, that, that even the conversations we have with people around us, they're not about us. It's about giving God glory and drawing people into Christ. There is a world of people out there that need a listening ear far more than they need your opinion on a certain topic. And they will not listen to your words about Christ if they do not feel first listened to. Listening is one of the easiest ways people feel cared for and valued. And sometimes by listening, we can show love in specific ways and then know how to proceed with the conversation. I think this is, there's, there's a, 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 a wisdom in this, that when we can listen, we know how we can proceed with people. We can, n- number one, we can know that how we can specifically deliver the gospel to their lives. As we hear about what they're going through or what they're talking about, all of a sudden we can not just give like a blanket statement about Jesus to them, but we can speak specifically into the areas of their life that we now know that they need Jesus or they, that how Jesus wants to meet them in their needs in those areas. But we, that takes listening to understand, oh, I, I do understand what you're going through. And let me tell you about how, what Jesus has to say about that. But also, and this is maybe even more common today than ever, it also by listening, we can know when it's time just to move on with the conversation. Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6 says, Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. That's great verses, Colossians 4, verses 5 and 6. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders. It's not a coincidence that in James chapter 3, I stopped reading at verse 12, but if you continue to read, it actually starts talking about wisdom. It talks about kind of worldly wisdom and then wisdom from the Lord. And you can read through that this week uh, if you would like, if you feel led to do that, to continue James chapter 3. 
But as we are slow to speak and quick to listen, we can know how we ought to answer the people we're with, sometimes with words of Christ's goodness or forgiveness, to bring hope and despair, to bring the gospel, and other times to understand that the person we're talking to isn't seeking or looking for Jesus, and they're just maybe not even willing to hear the gospel. That you may try to give them the goods of the gospel, and if they're not interested, you know you can move on. I mean, Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 7, verse 6. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. And I don't think that this is a verse about like if somebody doesn't want to hear the gospel at the given moment that you know they're just dogs and pigs that's not what it's saying it's just saying we have to be wise because there is a world of people out there that are desperate for the words of Jesus Christ that are longing to hear the news that you can share with them and as Colossians 4 says let's make the best use of our time here that why stay in a conversation with somebody over and over and over again when it's clear if you're actually listening to them that they don't really want to hear what you have to say? And that's okay. We can check in back, back in with those people and see if the Lord's changed their hearts and then maybe they're ready for it later. But at this given time, they might have a coworker or somebody that just isn't ready and that's fine. But then Colossians says, use the best use of your time. You have to use wisdom as you, you know, go as you meet with outsiders. And so we can move on. Check back in later. In college, I had a few of my friends uh, that on college campus, they were, they were approached by uh, some, a few Mormon missionaries on their campus, uh, on the campus, and, and uh, they got in a conversation with each other. And that conversation was really kind of enjoyable for a day, and they decided, let's meet again next week. And let's continue this conversation. And they did the next week. And then all of a sudden it was going to go to a third week. And, and finally it got to a position where neither one were really listening or open to changing. They were both just trying to convince the other person. And although that conversation probably wasn't all that bad, right, it reached a point where it wasn't probably worth their time. And I don't say that to be harsh, like those people weren't worth the time. But what I'm trying to say is there was an entire campus of college students and many of them were desperate for the good news that they were sharing at that given moment. And through listening, we can discern who to give the pearls of the gospel to, those that will receive it and hear it as absolute treasure. See, listening allows us to proclaim Christ effectively because when we listen, we can understand exactly how we can package the, and deliver the pearls of the gospel and when not to. But this all boils down to our tongues being tamed. I want to close today with a psalm from King David. King David prays a beautiful prayer in Psalm 141, verse 3. If you want to turn there, you certainly can. Psalm 141, verse 3. It says, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. If you feel like your prayer life is stagnant, or if you know that your mouth is, is untamed and out of control most of the time, and you know who you are. I didn't get into specifics today of, you know, gossip or slander or 
you know, words said in anger. I mean, we know that. As we talked about taming the tongue, the Holy Spirit, I'm sure, probably put it on your heart immediately of like, yeah, this, this area is where I need to work, right? But if this is, if this is you, right, if, if you feel like your prayer life is stagnant or you know that your mouth is untamed, my challenge is that you would read this verse, memorize this verse, and then pray it. Put it on a sticky note on your mirror in the morning. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. I can't imagine the impact that the Christian church could make if they could understand this really clearly of when to keep our mouths shut and then when to speak boldly and beautifully using our words and our tongues for the glory of God. That we would pray these prayers of, like King David said in Psalm 141, of just set, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the doors of my lips. I don't want to start any forest fires today. I want the words I speak to bring you glory. I don't want to confuse people by having both fresh and salt water come forth out of my mouth, both praise and cursing. I want this rudder, Lord, to be controlled by you. I want to, to be able to tame it so I can truly listen to my neighbor in patience and know, know exactly how to proceed in my relationship with them. So set a guard over my mouth, Lord, and would you just keep, keep watch over the doors of my lips. And church, as we come to the Lord in our call for help in this area, you know what? He listens. You have a God who is patiently and eagerly just listening to you so that he knows exactly how he can respond to meet your specific needs through his words. Our Lord Jesus is desperate to listen to you. And if you're listening right now, he's calling your name to come. And unlike the destructive fires that our words can create, his words will literally put a spark and a fire in you. A fire that will also change the landscape of your relationships and all those that you encounter. A fire that will transform those relationships. And it's all going to be for his glory as he builds through you. Amen. <clears throat> Dear Jesus, we just come to you and we just tell you that, that we need help. And Lord, there's many in here in this church that I really look up to, the ways that they use their words to, to build up the body of Christ. I look up to so many in this church, Lord, that, that really uh, know the power of their words, that they just they, their, their words aren't spoken lightly, that they know uh, that their silence, I even look up to their silence at times, longing for them to speak, Lord, because I just want them to speak in a situation, Lord. And so, Lord, there are so many that, that you have transformed, God, and, there's, and, and you are always doing your work in us. And we're so thankful that you've made us new creations, that this untamable tongue has become tameable through the power of your Holy Spirit. And today, God, we just confess our need for you to come and impact us in this way. In whatever ways that we need our tongues tamed, that you would do that, Jesus, not just for our sake, but Lord, ultimately for your sake.
that we could be more effective and fruitful for you. Amen.